It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Darling, great kick, Ryan. Darling, oh, getting back. Doesn't mark it. It bounced off his head. Hand pass it. Kennedy's got seven. Kennedy's got seven. Eight. He's got eight, sorry. I sold him short. I got out of his chair and I tripped over. Kennedy's kicked eight. Darling gave it to him in the goal square. Tim Gossage is getting very excited about Josh Kennedy's farewell match. And uh, I'll bet Josh can tell us whether it was seven or eight. Anyway, we'll talk to him in a minute. He's coming up right now on the show. We're getting a lot of texts coming through on the Temperate Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. Keep them coming. We'll get to them in the last half hour of the show. We'll read as many of them out as we possibly can. But before we do... Josh Kennedy, the Eagles legend, is with us on the show and we'll talk to him about uh, West Coast's loss to Melbourne on the weekend. Josh, welcome. Morning, Duff. How are you? Happy Easter. Yeah, you too, mate. How many eggs? Did you get through a few? <laughs> Way too many. Way too many. They started too early as well. So I try not to have any chocolate before lunch, but I ended up having it about 6.30 in the morning. So they uh, failed on that in that regard. I'm a hot cross bun man myself, rather than an egg man. Yeah, so I have to say I, I, I'll eat them. I'll eat them, but I'm not just uh, got a bit of a sweet tooth. I think so. I'd rather go for the chocolate. Hey, um, what did you make of the effort against Melbourne? Yeah, look, I would, obviously uh, under man side with the amount of injuries that went out to the West Coast. But um, look, it was, a, it was a fairly contested game. I think pretty early the, the pressure was on and, and they, were, they were up to kind of matching Melbourne. But um, obviously as the game opened up, I think yeah, Melbourne got a lot cleaner with the footy. Um, they were a little scrappy early, but yeah, once they kind of elevated and yeah, and you saw when they, they, they did get that sniff of, um, you know, I suppose being on top, uh, a lot of them did push forward um, hard early, knowing that their backs were going to win it pretty easily. And, yeah, they got a lot of plays, so that, that fast place thing shot out the back, which, um, yeah, yeah, it was, um, I suppose, the way they like to play. So it's, um, they did get on top in that most of the game. But, yeah, I thought I thought for the, the side that, um, that West Coast put up and, and, and those, I suppose, younger kids coming through and playing and getting that experience, um, there were some, some, definitely some positives to come out of the game. You get the feeling there's a method emerging at West Coast, don't you? And you mentioned the Melbourne players getting out the back, but that's kind of part of the, the belief system that the Eagles are trying to build, that they, if they get forward and they get assertive and they, and they put a lot of pressure on they get fierce around the footy, that they will win it and they will have the numbers at the ball and they will have the numbers ahead of the ball. So th- th- there's definitely a style emerging here, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think I think um, they're a different side to the past, and I don't think we can, can compare them to 2022. And I think a lot of people have been with um, you know just even just on the injury side and, and kind of what happened last year. I think they're a completely different side in the way they're playing, and um, they're, they're handballing a lot more. Um, you know, that, that kind of handball to kick ratio has been up, and they are moving the footy. Um, you know, really really slick at times. So. The way they do play with with that pressure, like you said, yeah, it's um they sustain that pressure over four quarters. They're able to get a fair bit of that that forty forward and get you know some supply. And I think inside fifties were thirty eight to fifty eight, so they're pretty 
pretty down, so the forwards didn't have uh, much of a chance. But um, but once they do get that that pressure up and they're able to hold that ball inside that forward forward half, yeah, those inside fifties go up and then the forwards, they're you know quality forwards that are up there, they get to work. Got the feeling that early in the game when there was a lot of ball being won out of the middle, particularly by Tim Kelly, that their inside 50 entries weren't quite as clean as you would like them being a forward yourself. Mm. Um, Is this an area they need to tidy up pretty quickly? Um, oh, it's always a work in progress with that, you know. There's a, a lot of the guys coming out of the middle have been pretty efficient. and um, But, you know, to Melbourne's credit, they are a contested pressure side as well. So uh, when there is that little bit more heat on the footy, and especially when you are winning those clearances coming out, you know, it does make it a little bit difficult to, to spot up a forward. And, you know, it comes down to the forwards as well, making sure that they're positioned right. And Melbourne's defence, they've they've had a, a pretty good one for the last few years. And um, the, the way that, you know, obviously May and Lever and, and those guys, um, you know, kind of dictate the way they their back six want to play, it, it, a little bit of pressure, you know, it can really fall into their hands. So the efficiency going in, obviously, is something that you, you're always working on. And, um, you know, when that when that does elevate and you see the skills right up, it, yeah, it, it, Oscar and Jack and, and our forwards do come into play and um, can kick winning score. How is Oscar going, do you think? Is the the bloke that handed over the reins to him, he's kicked three the last couple of games. He looks like he's presenting well. He looks like he's finishing pretty well as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I think his goal kicking has been, been great. I think it's more the opportunity. I talked about that last week. The, the opportunity that he's creating for himself is, is the biggest thing. And he might not, um, you know, kick his goals, but he's still having, you know, that, that three to five kind of chances and shots on goal. And there's, there's probably another... 10 to 15 opportunities where he's putting himself in a good position but just can't quite obviously get um, get that mark or, he, you know, things don't go his way. So he keeps creating those opportunities, you know. He'll, um, he'll come out and have a big day. Um, but, you know, he's got to make sure that those, those opportunities are, are, are there and he's, he's creating them. And um, his work rate at the moment, yeah, he's, he, he seems fit, as he always is. And he's, um, he's been able to work pretty hard to, to get in those positions. I've always been fascinated by the relationship of the Eagles fans with Jack Darling, Josh. Like, to me, Jack was the ideal wingman for you. He's been a very consistent player over a very long period of time, and I think most clubs would like Jack Darling in their team as their second target in attack. As soon as he has a bad one, you get this string of people saying, oh, it's time to drop Jack Darling. He's no good. He was pretty dangerous in the derby, I thought, and then a bit quieter on the weekend, and sure enough, out they came on social media. They were saying it again. Like, give us your thoughts on Jack, and is he he a bit of an unloved person with the West Coast faithful, given what he's given them over the years? Yeah, well, yeah, I think I think uh, I think people do go a bit hard on him sometimes, and it's probably, you know, the, the amount of good things that he does. It just takes one little little bad thing and one mistake that you know a lot of players do do make, and yeah, they they do jump on him. But his consistency, I think, over the course of his career is something that you know everyone will look back on and go, he, he was he's a, he's a bloody good player. And, um, uh, Jack's been, you know, the opportunities have been there and um, sometimes he hasn't taken them, but sometimes he does. And when he's in those positions and he's, uh, he's feeling strong and, and the way he goes about his contested marking, you know, he, he's unstoppable. So, um, you know, he's obviously still working through getting himself into that frame of mind and um, sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't. It's uh, just about, I suppose, going through and, and sticking to what you know at training and, and making sure that you're on, on top and, and understanding your opposition. And Jack does a really good job at that. And, um, you know, I, I have no doubt that next week or the week after, all of a sudden Jack kicks five or six and everyone's like, oh, how good he's a great player. So um, those ex- external kind of influences, it's sometimes hard as a player to 
to kind of manage. But um, Jack does a, a pretty good job of just knowing what he needs to do, knowing what he needs to do to get, um, I suppose, the job done on the weekend. And, and he's always learning. Um, you were a much-loved player, so you probably didn't have to put up with too much external noise. I think my, my old mate Quarters tried to retire you about three years earlier in the West Australian. Yeah, and, uh, 2019. Never, yeah, you, you I remember, remember that the, one. <laughs> what, 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 what date was that? Not, not just the year. What <laughs> date was that? Um, but how does a player shut out that noise and, and make sure it doesn't become a factor in his performance? Yeah, it is. It, it, it is difficult. It is. It's a it's a nationwide game, and um, there's a lot of media about it. People love it. You've got um, you know fans that you know live and breathe football, and um, there is a lot of noise. And, and obviously, performance is a, is a big factor to I suppose how those um, external kind of noises come towards you. So. And I think as a player, you just you got to ride them. It's it's used to have a um, a thing we used to talk about, which was the kind of the balance wave. And um, footy can take you to some massive highs, and it can also bring you to those massive lows. And um, being able to kind of have the balance of that kind of roller coaster internally is something that um, is is hard to do. Um, but once you kind of hit that rhythm of knowing what your process is, knowing how you need to perform, and you're also continue learning, um, you know, you can sit in that kind of balance on a wave situation and um, a lot of that external stuff, you know, it doesn't really break through. But it, it is hard. It is hard. Like, you know, as you get towards the back end of your career and you get a little bit older and um, you, I suppose the expectation of where you're at as a player um, isn't exceeding to, to what everyone's uh, wanting. It it does. It can creep up on you pretty quick and, and it does play in your head. But it's all learning. It's all about going through that process and um, coming out the other side. And, um, yeah, it's just it's just a part of the game. How would you manage Elliot Yo if you're West Coast? He plays three quarters at half back on the weekend, played tall. And we've actually got a, um, a text from um, someone who's asking the question, Noddy. He's asking, we usually get good ones from Noddy too. Can you ask Josh Kennedy, would it be a silly suggestion for Elliot Yo to line up against Jeremy Cameron, particularly when not deep in the forward 50? This is for the game oh. on Sunday at Adelaide Oval. What do you reckon? <laughs> uh, I, I back Yo in to, um, to get the job done, but I think the obviously the injuries and uh, his build up into getting that consistency on over four quarters, I think is something that is still getting managed. And that's probably why um, we didn't see him in the midfield as much. It was probably just down back. And as much as, um, you know, Grundy was, was on top in the middle and obviously the, the calibre of class that they have in the, in the middle of Melbourne, you would love to have Yoey in there. But um, obviously that would, would put a lot more pressure on, I suppose, his body. And, um, you know, he's probably not at that stage about to handle that. So um, with all that, you know, putting him on uh, Jeremy Cameron, who uh, runs all around the ground, is, is one of the fittest blokes, I suppose, out there at the moment. Um, and he's pretty clever in terms of a round goal. Yeah, I don't think um, he, uh, he would he would relish at that opportunity. But um, I think just where he's at and his build-up at the moment, he's probably not up to, I suppose, that, that fitness level yet. Of, of to handle someone like um, like Jeremy, but um, but he, he will get to that point, and he he would absolutely love those roles. I'm, I'm, I'm confident in you know you give him a role on, on a player like that, he would relish it. He would relish it. But I think that the build up with his preseason at the moment, yeah, he's still getting to that point. What do you do with Cameron then? Does does Harry Edwards get on the plane if his ankle's all right, or does Josh Rotham go as a tall defender, or do you even ask someone like a Rhett, Rhett Bazo off his limited yeah. preparation, you know, to to go over and play that role because clearly they have the the twin towers there, don't they, Geelong? 
Yeah, they do. They do. And um, I think for someone like, say, uh, say Cameron to, to, I suppose, nullify him, you know, you'd probably have someone who has a job on him. Um, but it would have to require a bit of a team effort, just like any kind of midfield tag, or, um, I would suspect. You know, you have someone who comes in to try and shut him down. And that's their, their whole focus on... Um, you know, tagging, so to speak, but it does take an effort from everyone around the ga- everyone around the ground. Sometimes when you're tagging a, a, a forward like him, it, it does get a bit hard with your back six because, um, you know, being able to leave a player and, and come on can, can create other options around, especially around goal. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a team effort um, to, to stop uh, Jeremy Cameron and um, that there'll probably be someone who, who, who would have probably most of their focus have to be dedicated to him and, and run around with him because, the way he yeah he moves around the ground is um yeah, he's unbelievable and the positions you know he's not just a, a leading forward who sits there inside fifty a lot of his goals are from actually being a part of the play up in in back fifty and the way he runs and works. Is your mail that Harry Edwards will be fit and available, or do you think he needs another week with the ankle? Yeah, I'm not too sure. Like I said, the boys don't really talk to me anymore. They'll probably talk to me tomorrow um, or I'll be able to send a few texts out after this and they'll let me know. But um, <laughs> he, um, <laughs> he's, um, I suppose, with his ankle and doing it at training, you know, it, I don't think it was too serious, but probably just too close to the game to get up. So hopefully he's um, he's been able to settle that over the weekend and, and, and get back into the rhythm of things this week. And, um, yeah, hopefully he's, um, he, he's able to get up because, yeah, he's someone who's, who's needed in, in the team, I suppose, matchup coming up this week. Dom Sheed, do you think he gets up off the sore throat? Yeah, Dom, it's interesting, obviously, that elbow to the throat. So I think he had to he had to go spend a night, um, from what I read, in, in hospital just to make sure that it's, um, it obviously, yeah, didn't swell up and bleed. So, uh, but yeah, I think with, uh, I've, I've never actually done, uh, is, I think it was a a fractured larynx or is it like a, a bruised larynx or, or something like that? Yeah. The, so. the, the initial report was a fractured larynx, but they say that yeah. it wasn't too serious and he's a chance to play this week. So hopefully he doesn't Yeah, so, yeah I, I think that will obviously, if there's, there's, there's no swelling and obviously um, in that throat area, you can obviously you breathe and you can run and you can get enough oxygen you know, and it's not too sore. Um, I'm not too sure on the actual, if you do get another knock, does it do more damage or does it just kind of heal and, it's pretty, um, I suppose, uh, rare to get another knock in the same position. So, yeah, I, I assume that he would be back and, and ready to go. And, and because it was so close to the game and, and, and set up on making sure that, that it didn't swell or bleed too much um, was the reason why he didn't play. Um, yeah, I assume that he'll be, he'll be back out being able to play this week, which would be great. Back on Jeremy Cameron, is he the best big forward in the comp, you think? Where, where does he sit? Um, yeah, it's 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 he's a different player because you've got your traditional kind of full forwards. Like you look at a Charlie Kerno and the way he plays, and uh, he's just in that kind of zero to seventy. And you know he does come up the ground a bit, but you know all these contests are you know on the lead or um, around kind of that 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 I suppose drop of the foot type stuff inside four fifty. But the way Jeremy Cameron plays is he's up the ground. He's almost like that uh, a wingman or that real half forward, so to speak, that is up and around the ground, helping in defence, helping with link-up plays through the ground, but does find himself free. And and I suppose when you're playing against a lot of opposition and, and he is a tall kind of forward, so to speak, the, the tall backs would look at him and as he's getting up the ground, they're probably looking to help and, and work out, um, you know, with their other back six to make sure that they can tr- control, I suppose, a bit of the space in the footy, and that's how he ends up free. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. He, I think he's the, he's the best forward in the competition at the moment, but I don't think he's that traditional kind of full forward like a Charlie Kerno is. 
has Tim Kelly ever played better footy at West Coast, do you think? We know he had the year at Geelong where he polled 24 Brownlow votes. Yep. Um, but his ball winning at the moment, three times over 30 in the last three weeks, 36 on the yep. weekend, um, I think something like 10 inside 50, something like that. He's mm. he's prolific, isn't he? And, he, and you, you get the feeling that there's still a little bit to go if he can just tidy up his ball use a little bit, but he's finding the footy just incredibly well at the moment. Yeah, I think I think he's playing his best footy at the, the club at the moment, the way he's been going. And, you know, he, he, from all reports, he had, a, he had an amazing pre-season, got himself really fit, um, and he's always working on his craft with, um, I suppose, winning that footy in, in a contested situation. He, he's very clean. Um, he makes it look, look pretty easy when he's around the footy, but... Um, I think the work rate that he puts in to be able to get to, you know, contest after contest and be around that football to help support is something that's jumped up massive and, and that's creating more opportunities for Tim and, and being able to uh, find that footy and, and the clearance work that he has around, I suppose, stoppages, you know. I think he said he's had 10 inside 50s. So, you know, someone like, you know, for him to be able to get in that, it's, it's fantastic, especially for our forward line. Um, yeah, and I think he's he's been playing really good footy. It's great to see. And Andrew Gaff's repositioning as an inside midfielder, I think we talked a bit about this last week, but he did another pretty good job for half a game on the weekend and Petrarca didn't really get off the chain until after halftime when when Melbourne were pretty much on top everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, Gaff's obviously um, yeah, a bit more on ball and a little bit more of a different role for him. And, um, you know, he's been given, um, I suppose, a few objectives in the way he's playing on ball. And um, he's someone who just, you know... No questions asked, we'll go and do it. And it's been great to see. And, you know, he's got his body really fit. He's obviously gone through a fair bit over the last few years with um, with his body and his injuries and, and what he's had to put up with. And um, we'll see him, you know, being able to move a lot better. And it looks like he's a lot freer. He's, he's stripped some weight as well, which is which is great. But um, the team effort that he puts into, you know, Gaff is a ball winner and always has been for us. He can find the footy and he's a great user of it. But um, I suppose a lot of people don't really see is the little team aspects that he does. Um, and he gets given a, a job or a role to do, um, which sometimes takes him a little bit away from actually winning that footy. You know, he um, he, he doesn't button eyelid, he jumps straight into it. And yeah, he's, he's a team player, Gaffy, and it's been great to see him, I suppose, get some reward from people seeing that. Do you give him a chance against Geelong on Sunday in that, at Adelaide Oval? Yeah, it's going to be enough, another tough challenge. Hopefully we have a few wins um, heading over to Adelaide. Obviously, Geelong um, haven't been in great form. Um, you know, watching, the, I suppose, the first half of that Easter Monday game, you know, Hawthorne were on top, you know, and then obviously that last half they blew away, so they did find, um, I suppose, some gelling that everyone's uh, been talking about that they, they haven't been able to kind of find, and, and they played some pretty good footy. So, um Hopefully, uh, it was only a, a half a footy for them, and um, and West Coast can kind of match a lot. I suppose a lot of the pressure that they put on, and um, West Coast keep playing the way they're playing. You know what I mean? They're, they're a good chance, but um, yeah, it's going to be another tough one, obviously, on the road and um, and having the players out. But um, the consistency of of these younger players playing now, it's um, yeah. Hopefully, over the next few weeks, they can build, and uh, and it's uh, it's pretty exciting to to watch. Josh, thank you very much for joining us on the show and thank you for your insights on the show so far this season. We look forward to hear, hearing more from you as the season goes on. You can you can head off now and eat the rest of those Easter eggs, mate, if you like. And, uh... <laughs> I'm chucking them out. They've been <laughs> hidden, I think. They've been hidden. <laughs> thank, thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. Josh Kennedy, West Coast legend. Uh, what do you think of what he had to say? You can let us know on the temper at Bedshed text line. 
0487-736-736. We'll be back after the break and we'll start getting through some of the text messages you've been sending in. This is Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA.